0: Coming up on Chasing the Natty, after a small vacation, we are back to begin prepping you for the 2024 college fantasy football season. After all, we only have 230 days until the first game of the season, so plenty of work to be done until then. While we've been gone, we've been treated to a plethora of bowl games in the postseason, some more entertaining than others for sure. In those games, though, we saw a ton of big performances. Are those performances for real and indicating who will be the next CFF superstars? Or are they fake and fool's gold, ready to make you waste your draft capital this upcoming season? Chris Kay and I will be on the show breaking down 13 of these players today to help you know which player is which. All that and more coming right after this.
1: Harrison Jr. touchdown! Marvelous,
0: mark Home next to the all-time touchdown for Franklin. A majestic touchdown. This is chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everyone. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing the Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work. On this Monday morning, we are the College Fantasy Football Podcast on the Campus Canton Podcast Network. You can find us on all of your podcast feeds and on YouTube every Monday morning during the offseason at 6 a.m. sharp. If you want to support the great work we're doing here, head on over to campuscanton.com and subscribe there with one of our stupendous tiers. You'll find everything you need for your CFF, Devi, C2C, and betting needs including rankings articles tools and even more than that you can also find me in the show on twitter i am at cff underscore jared and the show is at chasing the natty and the man sitting across from me a man who is riding high with his lions in the nfl his wolverines ready to play for a national championship uh tonight as of when this would be released mr chris k how are you doing today sir
1: i'm good well, i'm riding high like you said at first i was like wait well- what am I happy about? Because it's so unusual, but uh, we have sacrificed Michigan basketball and the Detroit Pistons, and thus we get beneficial good teams for Detroit with the Lions and then uh, Michigan football. So I'm I'm happy. I'll take the, I'll take that.
0: Yeah, definitely. I have to imagine it feels very good to actually get past the first round of the playoffs for the first time in three years. It's and, and and beating Alabama in the process, I have to imagine that feels pretty dang good right there. Uh, were you nervous at all during that game in terms of, uh, did you think you guys were going to lose at the end there? I was,
1: uh, my wife went and started like showering. She took a shower like in the fourth quarter because I was just like sitting there so depressed when we were down by uh, seven. And then I was, you know, like you, you just think the worst no, for sure. Um, and when many of your teams are always disappointing, you just naturally go there. But uh, thankfully, we have—I mean, we have JJ McCarthy, so everything is everything is good.
0: It's all I pathetic. I would say, thankfully, you had Blake Corum, who had that incredible run in the overtime there to put Michigan over the top there, and then also thankful that uh, Jalen Milrow couldn't seem to throw a pass in the entire fourth quarter. It felt like, but you know i, J- I pl- think it's pl- 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 a, with the, well, pl- pl- plenty 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 of praise to jj he had a, he had a, he had a very good game it's well, probably the best game he's had in the second half of the season
1: yeah that was more that's more in jest but uh i would you know quorum obviously is incredible legend in michigan's status now milrow is weird because like i you know michigan's defense really was pretty perfect for like the matchup mm-hmm. in terms of like Receiver DB matchup, which is what makes this Washington matchup so interesting, with like such stud performers, and there's three of them. Yep, which will make it interesting. But like, I think Milro got no love, no help. You know, I think the play calling was bad. The oh no, snaps for sure, were awful, and I think the offensive line just in general was bad. You know, or maybe just the defensive line was just that much more overpowering. But it definitely was not Milrow Milrow's best game, and you know, going to twenty twenty four. I was super high on Milrow and I still am, but like you start to see some people trickle in with, like, oh, is he really the guy? And it's like a month ago people were talking about Heisman winner, and now he's like, you know, maybe not even the guy. Like, what?
0: Yeah, let, let, I'll, again, just like you were saying, JJ, the praise there for JJ it was in jest. Like my me saying Milrow can throw a pass in the fourth. which well, he couldn't throw a pass in the fourth quarter. He had a really bad ending to that game, but like. The amount of hate that people lobbed on him after that game, was just so absolutely ridiculous. I am very much in on Milro next year. I think he takes a big step this offseason. Once he actually has all of the starters reps, I think that'll be nice for him to have there. Should lead to a big jump up for him. I'll go ahead and say it. I'm probably going to have him as my QB1 for college fantasy next year. Again, you got an offense that's going to score 40 points a game. Dual threat guy. Not really a clear number. Not really a clear guy in that backfield that's going to take Ooh. stuff away from him. There, I'm I'm fully in on him this this next up, upcoming year. Like, what did he finish as this year? I think it was a like top top definitely top twenty QB. Yeah, t- he was QB fifteen this year, and that was with him having a ton of issues at the start of the season. There, I think that he will be in for a much bigger year, year next year. Are you going to go with JJ McCarthy again next year uh, no, in terms no, of a uh, top? I, I mean, Hey, quorum's gone, man. Quorum's gone. All, the, all those touchdowns are going to be, are going to be back on the board for somebody to take.
1: I'm not going to, you know, there are some signs that point to a better year because I don't think Michigan could possibly ground and pound again with quorum out or, you know, quorum gone. And then Edwards potentially gone slash just not all that special slash who's going to be the running back. But like, No, not going that route again, Uh, fortunately, unfortunately. You know, Melrose is a good choice. uh, It's like a number one overall. I'm not ready to do that yet, but, you know, like I think he's so much in the picture that I certainly am not uh, going to
0: hate on you for it. Who would you put over him? Would you put Gabriel over him at Oregon?
1: (laughs) You know, I would take Gabriel over him. I still don't know if Gabriel would be my one. You know, like it's so early – I haven't thought that much into it yet. Just been more focused on just like Lions and Michigan. No, <laughs> not even thinking much. But I would say Gabriel is over Milroe. Uh I'd like, you know, who knows. But like does Milroe throw more? Like Milro's rushing certainly is there, but he needs to throw a little bit more. Like your your QB1 doesn't throw for 220 a game. Like his prop is never 220 a game. You know, no. like so he just has to overcome that hurdle that is this the coaching staff, but uh, he's certainly gonna be a top five or ten guy, which will be fun to watch.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One last thing we'll we'll and then we'll be done talking about the playoffs and the national championship. Gotta ask, hey. Okay. Michigan gonna win it.
1: Yeah, I think so. I yeah. you know, uh, you know, I told my wife I was like, if we beat Bama, then I think we win. Like I, I think Bama's the hurdle and that like we are facing another high powered, amazing opponent in a different conference. We get to see Michigan against like a, a team out of conference, which typically in previous years, right? You mentioned it; like mm-hmm. it hasn't been successful. So I do think we win. I I internally debate over what the score will be, uh, but you know, I, I am I feel pretty good about a win. Something like I said this on burning the red shirt, like twenty seven, twenty one, thirty to twenty three type. I think.
0: I can see. I can honestly see it being a little bit lower scoring than that. Like I, I can see like a, I could see like a twenty-four, uh, like twenty something kind of like that. Um, I will ask you though. I'm looking at Michigan's schedule here. I do not see an offense on there that is nearly as good as what you'll face against Washington. So I think that's kind of the X factor. Is Michigan's yes. defense has been incredible this year, but pretty much every like. Even the good offenses, like historically good programs for offense that Michigan's had to face this year in Ohio State and Bama, I think you can agree with me that their offenses this year have not been as great as they have been in the past couple of years. So I think that's kind of going to be the key thing. of like, like And you kind of touched on it earlier. Can Michigan's DBs keep up with those three incredible receivers?
1: Mm-hmm. That's yeah, you could say, though, right, like this is the same defense with another year of experience that played great against C.J. Stroud. So like... That's the closest thing you can get to it. It, it, That's the that's my whole like if we can beat Bama thing that I feel really good about winning the next game, um, thing because like we haven't necessarily seen Michigan against these higher upper tier opponents. Um, at least we haven't seen them where they perform well. Uh, but we did last weekend. But I think regardless, you know, we've had some really bad playoff games in the last Mm -hmm. five years. I think this year's. Four crushed it yeah. between the last two. I mean, last two games are awesome. And I, you know, I, it could happen, but I don't see this game uh, Monday night um, yeah. being that, you know, being a blowout. No, not. It won't I be think a that's a low chance.
0: And so. this is, again, going like, that. we're getting down a rabbit hole now, but I, it's, it's fun to talk about this stuff. But like people complain about the committee this year. And there's plenty of reasons to complain about the committee this year. But at the end of the day, they were trying to get four teams in there. And people are like, oh, they were going for TV ratings. I'm like, well, yes and no. They were going for TV ratings in the fact that they wanted to get four teams in there that they didn't think were going to be, like, there wasn't going to be a blowout. If they put Florida State in there, they felt like that one of, like, whoever faced Florida State, it was going to be a blowout. They were going to get bad TV ratings from that. So they put Bama in instead. It wasn't necessarily the name programming. It said if Florida State was a more competitive team, they probably would have put them in there at that point. So, this is probably the first year where I think it was there's was legitimately more than four teams that deserved a shot to play for a championship at the end of the year. Which is, I think, really showed the flaw of the four-team playoff. Because, again, most years it's two teams, maybe three teams at the top that really deserve the shot. And then everybody else is kind of a tier below that and everything. Versus, like, this year, Bama legitimately, just based on resume, one lost SEC championship, deserved a shot. Florida State, undefeated team in the a- ACC, deserved a shot. Michigan, Washington, Texas, obviously they all deserved a shot. And then Georgia, only loss in two years was a three point loss to another one of the top four teams. Probably deserved a shot, but
1: yeah, I that's think uh, we we'll see how this was like a perfect storm this year. You had three oh, undefeateds, sure. and none of them were SEC teams. Um, and then you had one of the teams that was at the very top beat the the best team in the sec. Yep. Uh, in theory, right. With Bama, it just, you could not have had a good situation. This was just like a perfect storm of insanity. And, but like, honestly, and I'll say this out loud and regret it, but like, I think, I think Georgia's at least the second best team in the country, you know, and they just got left out because of the way it was like, yeah, you can, you get why they were left out, but like that's how kind of crazy the end of the year ended up being.
0: And, situation. and for once again I still think 12 teams is too many I think that was a bit too much of an overreaction to everything but I understood after this year like okay there are going to be years where there's going to be more than four teams that deserve a shot at the end of the year so I'm kind of cool I was cool with six I was even cool kind of okay with eight I still think 12 is way too many but that's a discussion for another time enough of playoff and natty talk and everything like that everybody's here for college fantasy stuff so again what have we been learning the last couple of uh last couple of weeks, okay, you talked about you you've been watching watching your Wolverines and your lines and everything, but the other thing that we've been watching has been these bowl games. And these bowl games have been very hit or miss in the last couple of years in terms of helping us determine kind of what's up next for a lot of these programs. It's a bit more helpful now I would say because of the fact that people opt out. It gives some of these younger players an opportunity to kind of get out there on the field kind of show us what they have but then there's also the transfer portal that gets thrown in here and everything where we can see a guy break out but then the school goes out and grabs somebody out of the transfer portal either the next couple of days or in the spring when the transfer portal opens up for a second time there so we're going to help you guys sort all of that out Kay, you if i remember correctly are notoriously kind of skeptical on using bowl games to help predict some of these future guys and everything does that still hold true to you or does that start to change with all of the things that have been happening to college football recently
1: i'm skeptical on everything i'm just skeptical yeah i'm a hater and i'm skeptical and so this is you reached out to me and said hey like i think you'd be a good fit and i think you were dead on like this is I think you'll be surprised by the positivity that will come out of my mouth today, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm very skeptical. There's just so many moving pieces. This is kind of like uh, an advanced spring game in a sense. Um, and there's probably a lot of situations where it's like this feels like a good spot or a bad spot, but so much can change in the next five months, right? So oh, absolutely, this would be fun to talk about because there were some really awesome awesome performances by younger guys making a case for themselves, which I think is a, you know, I'm a, all, I love bowl games. I will always say, give me every game possible that we can play. Why not? It doesn't hurt anybody. And uh, when you see a young guy play great, it kind of reinforces it to me about how it's such a cool opportunity, even with so many opt outs and things like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And again, just to reinforce the point here, I went back and looked at 2022, bowl game breakout guys just see like okay like what what was kind of the hit right here and a couple of guys here some really big ones ashton Gianti had a massive bowl game 28 carries 178 yards and a touchdown in that game so he was the rb2 this year and he didn't really get anything going really into that bowl game outside of a couple big performances throughout the year there but he wasn't really consistent at that point malik neighbors People forget that he would finish as the wide receiver 146 last year. Like, he was getting drafted pretty highly, but I don't think he would have gotten drafted as highly this past year if he didn't finish the year with nine catches, 163 yards, and a touchdown in that bowl game, kind of indicating that, okay, maybe they're going to shift to targeting neighbors a lot more there. Um, But then there's also definitely tons of fake guys in here like uh jacques stewart the running back for toledo 23 carries 111 yards did basically nothing this year got completely overtaken by penny boone devin voice the wide receiver for south alabama obviously he got hurt early in the year but even still like up until that point he was not showing you know the signs of a true wide receiver one for usa there a big one that got me Roddy hammond 25 carries 89 yards two touchdowns in the game against ucla last year what did he do this year basically nothing and Javante Barnes, uh, out of Oklahoma, 27 carries, 108 yards, and a touchdown. We thought, okay, Barnes is going to be that next big Oklahoma running back there. Just didn't do anything this year. So, And there's, a, there's, there's guys in the middle as well, like Jermaine Brown Jr., 24 carries, 116 yards, two touchdowns. To start the year, he didn't look very good. Obviously, he finished very, very well down the stretch once Isaiah Jacobs went down. But again, just kind of reinforcing this idea that this is not always a good indicator but also it can indicate that somebody's about to perform well. So let's get into some of these names here, Okay, But first, before we get to that, just got a couple of announcements for you guys out there. One, just a little break here before we get started. Uh, one, make sure you check out the new podcast. That'll be... Hosted by myself and Nate Marquise. It is a monthly podcast known as Defending the Natty. This will be a college fantasy dynasty podcast. Is Nate and I getting together once a month? We're just gonna sit down, chit-chat about where we're seeing a college fantasy or college fantasy dynasty where it's at and everything. We'll talk about what kind of news we've been hearing. We'll come up with different topics and stuff like that. This first episode, we'll be talking about the state of CFF Dynasty, how it's changed over the last couple of years, especially with the portal and everything like that. It's a completely different game now than it has been the last couple of years. And then we're also going to talk, we're going to do a little keep trade cut, just, you know, a typical Dynasty podcast topic, but we're going to specifically focus on the 2023 freshman this year talking about their performances, so it should be a really good time. And then the other major announcement here, I'm really excited about this one. We finally have Chasing the Natty t-shirts available for you guys at the Campus of Canton store. Again, we got two designs right now, one with kind of the square logo, the CTN logo there, and then the full Chasing the Natty across your chest there. The great quality shirts. I got mine coming in here pretty soon. Otherwise, I'd be wearing it on air here today. But you want a great way to support the show? That's directly supporting the show. That is a great way to do it. So go check it out at the Campus of Canton store over there. righty. okay. Let's actually get to talking about some of these players here. We'll start with the quarterbacks, and really the one that I would say this bowl performance might have cha- might have done the most to change the college landscape not just a fantasy landscape but the college landscape in general miller moss this incredible performance against louisville 23 out of 20 uh, out of 33 attempts 372 yards six passing touchdowns would have been good for 40.18 fantasy points just an absolute monster performance against a pretty solid louisville defense there there was a lot of talk that Will Howard was set to go to USC, be the next Lincoln Riley quarterback. Along comes Miller Moss. He looks really good in this bowl game. He is going, that chases Will Howard off to Ohio State now. And by the way, we will talk about all those transfers and everything in the next coming weeks. So if you want us to talk about that, don't worry that it's coming. Okay, I'll throw it over to you first though. Miller Moss, real or not real, or real or fake? Is this, is this legit going into next year?
1: I mean, I I'm considering it real as long as they don't go out and get anybody. And I don't know, I don't know if he could grab anybody that's worth it. But ultimately, Lincoln Riley and a quarterback, I'm pretty much always going to be in on. Like to the extent of, I'm trying to today. I'm going to try to think about like where I would potentially draft him in like baseballs and in redrafts essentially uh, for 2024. Like I don't consider him. Top three to five round real, but like I consider him a legitimate quarterback. Um, in an in an offense that will be super interesting to see how they they fare in the Big Ten. But anytime you have Lincoln Riley as your coach and in that system, you'll they'll have enough talented weapons around him. I'm considering him pretty real. What about you?
0: I am very much considering him real as well. Not as real as I would. Consider a Lincoln Riley quarterback of the past. Obviously, guys like even Spencer Rattler, Caleb Williams, um, Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray. These are all first-round quarterbacks in CFF over the over the years that they were starting and everything like that. I think Miller Moss next year is going to get a similar treatment to how Kyle McCord got treated this past year by the by the fantasy community. Where again, you know, C.J. Stroud, Justin Fields, those were first-round picks. In their respective years, Colin McCourt comes along. People are like, eh, not buying this one as much. I think people are going to feel the same way about Miller-Moss, where they're not going to buy Miller-Moss as much as they would have like a Caleb Williams and all those guys. So I think that that's where he's going to pretty much end up right there. But he's still, to me, going to be a top 15 quarterback, probably when my rankings— I I haven't done my rankings on my quarterbacks quite yet. Again, I have my top guys there. But Miller-Moss, I have to imagine, will be my top 15 there. He's not as mobile, at least from what we've seen as, you know, guys like Caleb, obviously Jalen Hurts, um, Kyler Murray, all those guys right there, but he can run again, even in this game, two attempts, 13 yards. He's can rip off about a 10 yard run every once in a while, but he's not going to run. He's not going to rip off an 80 yard run down the sideline all of a sudden on you. Maybe unless he does like a Peyton Thorne, uh, transformation where all of a sudden he unlocks a rushing ability we never saw before, but I'm very much considering this real. I'm I'm very much looking forward to Miller Moss. I think he'll come out at a nice value next year. So, alrighty, let's see who we got next. Let me move back our little tokens and let's go talk about Mr. Garrett Nussmeyer, quarterback out of LSU here, Kay. Jaden Daniels opts out, Nussmeier's in. Will our patience with this man finally pay off? This is somebody that we were all hoping would enter the transfer portal last year once we heard Jaden Daniels was coming back. It made a lot of sense. He's finally going to get his shot this next year after Jaden Daniels most likely goes in the first round of the NFL draft this year. So, K, okay. real or not real? We got a guy here that passed 395 yards, three passing touchdowns, would have been good for 27.8 fantasy points did it against wisconsin so is this a legit cff asset going into next year
1: yeah i mean he's a guy that i liked last year just like you were saying you know i considered him one of the best backups and like i probably the best backup in the country last year um you know you yeah. the negative is his he's a zero rushing which i don't that's not my type at all as we've mm-hmm. talked about in the past but he's going to have the benefit of a really good group of offensive players around him. not the strongest running back group. uh, So you don't have to necessarily worry about a guy scoring 15 to 20 times on the ground type of thing. And then the defense doesn't seem like it's going to get any better. Um, He's looked good against decent to real teams. Like I know Purdue was kind of whatever in the bowl game last year, but he looked really good. He looked really good against
0: Wisconsin. You look really good against Georgia. Like, yep. I'm thinking real. I'm thinking real as well. Again, like you mentioned, Wisconsin, a pretty solid defense. Again, if I remember correctly, they didn't allow more than 20 points against any opponent like the last half of their season. They were number 35 in passing defense in the country. So, like, top, top third. Passing uh, defense right there. Nussmeier is still able to put up almost 400 yards on them. And that was with him starting slow. I was worried at the beginning of this game because he started off really, really sluggish in this game. The whole offense seemed very off to start. But once he clicked, man, he looked like the Garrett Nussmeier we'd seen in the past. I even tweeted during the game. I was like, where's the, where's the Nussmeier that I saw torch Georgia's defense for a half in the SEC championship game? Uh, he he very much showed up here. Um The offensive coordinator's position has me a little bit worried, but again, like obviously because you lose Denbrock to Notre Dame there, we'll see how that goes, but again, Cortez Hankton and Joe Sloan, they called the games in the bowl game. They did pretty all right. Again, obviously things were sluggish to start, but they did all right. We'll see who they hire as their new offensive coordinator. Um, I'm throwing it out there. I have a hunch that LSU is looking at uh, Ryan Grubb out of Washington. Again, you got a you got a zero, like you said, a zero rusher here. Pretty look what he's done with Penix over the last two years. Bring him over to LSU, pay him a higher salary over there. I think he could. I could, I think Ryan Grubb could work absolute magic with Garrett Nussmeyer next year, but we'll see. That's just a hunch, not based on anything, right there. And then you mentioned again. We we I, and I just mentioned as well zero in the rushing department. But K, okay, let me ask you a question. I don't know if you're reading my notes or not, here, man. But like. If you took away all of Jaden Daniels's rushing last year, like a complete zero. Took away all his rushing last year and you only included his fantasy points from his passing. What do you think he finished
1: as? So I read the notes so I can't really That the, was number, the you... number was a little surprising.
0: Um, if you think about
1: it, you know, he was so far above everybody. Oh yeah in terms of his overall that it, you know, his number it's not as it's surprising, but when you think about it, you really shouldn't be so surprised.
0: Yeah. If he got a complete zero in his rushing department, Jaden Daniels still would have finished as a top 10 QB last year. If he took away all his rushing department, he, he finished the season with 485 fantasy points, took away all his rushing. He would have been dropped down to uh three twelve, which would have put him just above Cameron Ward at QB 10. So, again, I'm not saying Garrett Nussmeyer is going to do exactly what Jaden Daniels did in the passing department this year. Because, surprisingly, Jaden Daniels was one of the best deep ball passers in the country this past year. And Garrett Nussmeier is a really good passer, but, like, Daniels took it to a whole new level this past year. So, again, even if you take that 312, that QB10 finish right there, you... Take away 10% of that. You're still looking at a top 20 QB with Garrett Nussmeyer. So I'm absolutely in on him. This is a real, real deal here. So I'll put us both in the real column. And we'll go ahead and move on to our next quarterback here. This is where things get a little bit more dicey. Those last two, again, good systems, good programs. We're certain of. But... Let's go to Caden Veltkamp, quarterback out of West Kentucky. Obviously, they are losing Austin Reed over there. They're losing Malachi Corley. In comes Caden Veltkamp. Well, not at first. At first, West Kentucky went with uh, Turter Helton, the son of head coach Clay Helton, who then proceeded to fumble the ball and throw a pick six. And so Veltkamp came in after two drives and threw 40 times for 383 yards and five passing touchdowns. It's Okay. Obviously, West Kentucky has been great for us over the last couple of years with their offenses. Is Veltkamp the next guy up here? I
1: I think he's the guy, but I don't know if I'm going to like him all that much. I, I This is, would be a fake for me. Um, I just, you know, they're going to be losing some guys, Cordley, obviously. I'm just not going to take a game away from o- ODU. No offense, Justice where he looked really good, but, like, he's not a good passer. Like, he doesn't have the mechanics. He doesn't have the skill set for it. He just is truly college football good, maybe. And so I'm not willing to invest any sort of draft capital in him, at least in the top half of the draft. I mean, obviously, a Western Kentucky quarterback makes sense to draft, but I just can't – at this point, I'm calling fake. I can't. Real to me would be top 10 quarterback, and I just don't see it.
0: I'm going to go real here, mostly because I think we can expect out of camp what we got pretty much out of Austin Reed this past year. Because again, Austin Reed drafted as like a top two quarterback in, se- in some leagues and everything like that. This was a down year this past year. He still finished as the QB 19. So like, this is like, Still a system that provides a very very safe floor for college fantasy. Again, it's a little bit more inconsistent than it has been in the past. But I think that'll be helped a little bit by Velcamp actually being able to run the ball again. Reed can run the ball a little bit again. He ran for 100 yards last year, but Velcamp ran 19 times for 53 yards in this game. Again, a lot of the a lot of those attempts, quote unquote, were him getting sacked in that game. So again, it's not like he only ran for like, like when he actually had to run, he was running for a lot more than three, two to three yards per carry. Um So I think if they unlock that a little bit, that provides me a little bit higher floor than what Reed had last year. Uh Reed had four, four rushing touchdowns. I wouldn't be surprised if Veltkamp can surpass that for sure. I am, again, I'm, I'm pretty in on this again. Veltkamp to me, again, like you said, he, his mechanics aren't great, but he fits this system very, very well. Um, yes, they're losing Malachi Corley. They're losing Jimmy Holiday, But they have, they have some pretty talented guys still in that receiver room right there. Again, you got, um, obviously, Dalvin Smith coming back for another year. That'll be huge there in the slot. Uh, Easton Messer is a pretty good slot receiver as well. Um, I was kind of banking on Jimmy Holiday a little bit, uh, being a valuable deep threat for them. But he's now in the portal, so we'll see how that goes. Maybe he comes back like Veltkamp did. Um, but yeah, like a couple of counters and everything, like you said, Losing some of your top guys, Old Dominion, hundred eighteenth passing defense in the country. I won't be drafting Velcamp as high as like we've been drafting Austin Reed or you know obviously Bailey Zappi the year or if Bailey Zappi had come back for another year as high as I would have been drafting him. But I'm still going to consider Velcamp real. I'm I'm going to be in that camp where again he'll be probably a top twenty five QB for me. I'll be happy to t- I'll be happy to draft him. He like. He, Unlike Nussmeier, he's not like I said before, he's not a, a zero in the rushing department, so that probably makes up for any bit of hesitancy I might have about him going forward. So, I'm in on Veltkamp. I've liked him for a couple of years and I think he'll be good. Any counter to that, Kay, or are you ready to move on?
1: No, I think the rushing piece of it is interesting. You wonder how much can they adjust or maybe pivot to his skill set. Mm-hmm. You know, Reed was really pretty capable as a rusher two seasons ago, if I remember correctly. So, you know, that kind of helped push him to that kind of like high quarterback Mm -hmm. ranking. But if they can put him in a spot to use the legs, uh, you know, he's big, which is super helpful. But, uh, man, he's going to have to be a really good runner, I think. And that's why I lean fake, obviously.
0: All righty. Last quarterback we'll talk about here. This one, I would say, is probably the most volatile out of the four QBs we'll be discussing today in terms of like, this is not a typical CFF um, friendly system. This is a young player here. This is somebody we haven't really gotten to see a ton out of here, but it's like a that typical bowl game hero kind of guy. Does, he didn't come out of nowhere per se, but again, this is probably his big, biggest performance of his young career and everything. So I think it's worth discussing here. Giovanni Gio, Lopez, Quarterback out of South Alabama. Carter Bradley has not necessarily been the greatest CFF quarterback over the last couple of years. So like I said, this is not really a system we love for quarterbacks. But at least for me, what I've seen out of Gio Lopez, I am intrigued by so far. Again, he's a true freshman quarterback for the Jaguars. He started one game against Troy this year after both Carter Bradley and Desmond Trotter were out. Uh, Lopez split reps with Trotter in the bowl game. Trotter and Bradley are both out of eligibility after this year, so this is pretty much Lopez's job for the taking this next upcoming year unless South Alabama goes and grabs a quarterback from the portal. But they also haven't done that so far, so I think that's pretty indicative that they like what they have with Lopez. Again, the fact that he started a full game for them against Troy, I think kind of indicates that they like what he have in him. And again, what I've seen so far, I'm intrigued by, especially he's rushing, to, uh, rushing here, nine for thirty-nine against Troy again, not the greatest in the world, but again, Troy's defense is super legit. And then against Eastern Michigan, seven carries, eighty-one yards and a touchdown right there. Also three for three touchdowns there, almost two hundred yards, and that was with him only getting half the reps in the game there. So I'm I'm very intrigued. Again, give him give him a full season of off season of reps. Give me a full season of some belt schedule. I am gonna say real in terms of the fact that I think he will be a CFF guy for next year. But I'm per I I'm okay with him being like a my guy because like I okay you come on here you tell me fake Jared this isn't a system this this isn't like you're you're taking too much from a few games here and everything. I'm totally fine with that. I totally understand it, but for me. I'll draft him wherever he falls in. I'm gonna draft I'm pretty much gonna draft a tutton of him next year. I'm gonna be fully young on him. But I don't think he's gonna be real in the fact that people are gonna take him as like a top twenty-five QB for fantasy next year. So your thoughts on Gio Lopez here, Kay?
1: You know, I don't think it is the system, but you watch the bowl game. He had he played like maybe sixty percent of the game, and they kind of made it the system. I don't know. It, you know, I'm I'm considering him real as well. Okay, and I think he could creep into the top twenty-five. I mean, we saw how he ran. The Sun Belt's not the war, you know, the toughest conference ever. No, and you know, from a passing perspective, it's friendly. I don't know. I I lean towards him being a really really interesting cff commodity in 2024. He looked great running the football. He had limited action, yep. young guy. So it's hard not to really kind of like him going into 2024. Eastern Michigan's obviously not a great opponent, but yeah. I you know, I I would think that South Alabama is a smart enough coaching staff to kind of adjust to his style
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: or maybe they had Carter Bradley and Desmond Trotter and they adjusted their style and they can be in the middle, but I I like him. I, I consider him real.
0: Alright. I'm I was kinda of surprised by that. I thought that I, I'd be over here trying to just trying to convince you over here, but looks looks like we're both on the same page. I'm I'm now now I'm sitting here hoping that he like other people don't realize it too and then he creeps way too high in drafts and then I have to be the one to bring everybody else down. So We'll see how that goes, but we'll put our tokens back here. Let's start talking about some of these running backs here, Okay, We got five of these guys to talk about. Some very interesting ones here to look at, but we'll start with Ricky Hunt, the running back of Ohio. He went up against Georgia Southern, 17 carries, 115 yards, four touchdowns on the ground, and then he got an additional touchdown from one reception for 18 yards. So overall, 43.8 fantasy points and half point ppr formats in this game just an absolute monster day for ricky hunt here but he once again very much the epitome of a bowl game breakout kind of dude didn't log a single stat since september 23rd which is the only game he logged a stat in he went six for 19 and zero in that game against bowling green dead silence the whole way back then we get to the bowl game allison's gone bangura's transferred. Ohio needed to run somebody out there and they went and found, or they went and grabbed Ricky hunt and he has looked really, really good as a red shirt freshman here performing for the Bobcats here. So, okay, I'll throw it over to you, man, real or not real for fantasy next year,
1: man, this is tough because, uh, the Mac and Ohio running backs is always some shenanigans. Um, but I'm going to lean real. There's as seemingly as nobody left, Nolan McCormick has been there a few years and they obviously they rolled him out early. Ricky Hunt completely outplayed him. Yep. I don't know how they could go back to McCormick as the guy going into the year. you know, I would be worried about investing a ton of a ton of uh, draft capital in many leagues, but I would I would one hundred percent make sure that he's taken in every league that I'm in. Yeah. Um but you know you never know it's the mac things get weird. I lean real little sketchy but definitely real.
0: I I my my notes here pretty much say the exact same thing in terms of like I I'm going to go with real but it's like a barely kind of like I'm going with real. Because again there are things to like here obviously like you mentioned everybody's gone not just at the running back position but Curtis Rourke's gone. You got their two top receivers in uh, Cross and Wiglis are gone. You got their top three tight ends are gone. This whole offense is completely falling apart this offseason. So that's could either be a really bad thing in terms of Ohio stinks next year and then Ricky Hunt doesn't get as much run or as much touchdown opportunity, but it also could be a really good thing. in the fact that Ohio could just be like, screw it. Let's just hand it off to our best player, which is Ricky hunt. And therefore you get a ton of volume right there, especially in the Mac. Sometimes all you need is your best player just to go off right there. Um, in terms of other thoughts that I had again, some of the, to add to some of the sketchiness here again, he did again, I've already talked about it before just not logging any stats throughout the season. He might have been hurt. I'd need to go find information on that. Again, finding information on the Mac is like pulling teeth sometimes. But even still, like the fact that he didn't do much throughout the season comes into Georgia State or Georgia State. Georgia Southern game. Uh Georgia Southern was out of it, shall we say? Uh from their really really good time on Myrtle Beach the night before. And so I do question a little bit of like how how strong was the competition that day, especially with how explosive uh, Ricky Hunt was looking throughout the day there. So, again, I'm a li- I'm a little sketched out, but at the same time, again, like like you said, Kate, as long as he remains in that kind of middle tier, fun upside, third running back for your roster off the board kind of guy, even third or fourth guy for your roster off the board, I'm going to pr- be pretty cool with him as a CFF asset moving forward and just kind of see where he goes from there i'm gonna go real with you but barely let's go to another running back here also or not also in the sunbelt but back not i almost said back to the sunbelt this is cusa what am i talking about ron wiggins running back out of jacksonville state 27 carries for 126 yards and a touchdown here against um oh my goodness i forgot who they who do they who do they play against
1: who did they play against? It's a great question. It was like a year ago, so I don't think you can blame it. Was us. it
0: Louisiana? Was it, was it Jacksonville State? I think State? it was. I think it was Louisiana. Yes, yes, I remember, because they both ended in the 30s. Yes, I remember now. It was Louisiana. So, Ron Wiggins, running back. I, I mentioned his, uh, his uh, production there in the bowl game. Also recorded three receptions for 17 yards. Would have finished with 21.8 fantasy points in this game. This Jacksonville State... uh Running back room all year has been just an absolute mess trying to figure out. And that's part of, and that's pretty much why I'm gonna go with fake here. Because it has been a committee the entire year, it has been a hot hand situation throughout the year. Um it's been you never know what you're going to get, pretty much. Because, like, again, you see his performance, 27 carries. That's a lot. That is a clear Workhorse role for this game for Ron Wiggins, and he has been looking good in the latter half of the season. But twenty-seven carries is great, but when you add in the context that he had eleven carries total in his previous two games before that, it's a little weird. And you might say, like, oh, Jared, you know, they they like they found something during the bowl game practices. Like, okay, if that's the case, why did he go from seventeen carries against South Carolina to then three and eight in his next two games? Clearly, this, like I said, this has been a hot hand kind of situation. They look to see who's got the hot hand of the day, and that's going to make it a mess for next year. I'm not I'm not going to go with Wiggins in most drafts if he gets taken very highly because of this performance here at the end. A couple things are going his way, though. Again, Malik Jackson, who came with Rich Rod to Jacksonville State, he's out of eligibility, so that clears up the running back room just a little bit. And then Anwar Lewis faded big time down the stretch of the game So. If you want a reason to believe in Wiggins, those are pretty much the two reasons right there. But I'm going with fake. I'm not, I, this is my first negative here. I'm not, I'm not going with it. Kay, what about you, man? I like,
1: I like him. I'm going to get some fakes here coming soon. Don't worry. I think he's a basketball guy, though. Redraft would scare me because I do think with Rich Ron and the potential for running back by committee, you're just going to run into this like, where you play him the week he shouldn't, yeah. you know, you shouldn't and vice versa. But in best balls, I think he makes a good bit of sense. You know, you, Rich Rod is a great offensive mind as long as he stays at Jacksonville state, obviously that's a, that's a really positive thing for quarterbacks and running backs. You get uh, Jackson out Anwar Lewis was like kind of supposed to be the guy going into the year. And then he just, I think it was either an injury or maybe a suspension or something like that that kind of slowed him down to the start. You know, if you look at the beginning of the year, Jackson was an awesome early round, you know, early season guy. Oh yeah. Uh I just, you know, I consider him real for best balls because I think he there's probably going to be 7 weeks where he's really pretty awesome. You know, 100 yards and a touchdown, a little bit of receiving work. I just have a hard time figuring out which weeks those are. And so that's why I think in redraft, that's tough. But in best ball, I think, again, he's a guy that I think will, I will make sure that he gets drafted in every best ball that I'm in. You know, like I can't imagine him not being picked in a 30 round best ball, but if he's not in round 30, I'm, you, you will be seeing me taking him.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think the small counter I'd have to that is that pretty much every guy that we're going to talk about here. In one way, shape, or form, is going to be worth a best ball pick next year because of the fact that again, they've proven they can go off, they can have these big performances here, and so like again, you take them as a late best ball option. Any of these guys, they're they'll you know they're going to probably pop off for a couple of games next year. But in terms of for me, in terms of like, am I grabbing this guy as somebody I'm going to rely on every single week as a guy that I'm going to expect to get twenty. Plus carries every single week. Nah, I'm not relying on that for Wiggins whatsoever.
1: Yeah, and I'll, I'll go a little bit deeper into it. Uh, I, This is so hard this early in the season. Oh, absolutely. The off season. I would think he's a top, for me, top 12 to 15 rounder.
0: So okay, like, I, you know. You, you almost gave me a heart attack, K. I thought you were going to top, the top yeah, yeah, 12 to 15 running back. I was like, top- oh my God, Kay. <laughs>
1: The top twelve running back is what? Like uh or I'm sorry, top twelve uh rounder is probably it's a top hundred fifty player, right? So that's probably running back twenty-five to thirty-five ish. Uh you know, probably like, a little I think, later than
0: that, probably around thirty-five ish.
1: So I, I think he very much is a top thirty-five running back.
0: I have not um, I have actually I I can say this. Running back is the one position I have ranked out a bit. I've ranked forty-five running backs, and I would still have them outside my top forty-five running backs. Do you, I would,
1: off the top of your head, who's who's in the forties that we could kind of compare?
0: Uh, Kyle Manungai out of Rutgers, mm. Nick Singleton, Penn State, DJ wow. Donaldson, West Virginia. Interesting. That's tough. I, 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 hey, maybe it, that means I, I that think this running back group is insane. This running back group is insane. Let <laughs> me tell you that right now, Kay. Like once you start listing out all the guys, and you're like, oh, yeah, put all those guys in there, and all of a sudden you're ranking really good guys in like the in late 30s and 40s, and you're like, oh, it's just one of those years for the running back position. So.
1: I could, I, uh, I'm excited about it. I love uh, the running back position I could use a little help with. Singleton in the 40s is interesting and probably – vindictive uh of uh what's his name that running back that plays quarterback for them Penn State. Who was that again?
0: oh Drew Aller?
1: Drew Aller. Yeah, 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 I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, you're good. Uh and then also uh, katron Allen as well and everything. He's still going to be there, so one of those two could transfer out. That would help everything a little bit, I think. All right. Let's keep moving with more running backs here. Uh third running back here we're going to talk about Anderson Castle, running back out of App State. This one threw me for a loop, man, cuz like Kanye Roberts was the dude, right? Like with Nate Noel down and everything, it looked like Kanye Roberts was going to be the kind of that next guy for App State. I was expecting a big game for him here um, against Miami of Ohio, but he only gets ten carries in this game. Not a ton of great production. And then Anderson Castle, twenty carries, one hundred nineteen yards. And it's not like it's not like Kanye Roberts either got injured early in the game or was like a oh. They tried to go with him at first, couldn't get anything going, so they switched to Castle. No, Castle got the work early and often in this game, and then Roberts kind of picked up a little bit as the game, or got sprinkled in as the game went on here. So I'm trying to figure out what's going on with this App State running back room because this is a room that I think we have to figure out going into next year because, like, Nate Duell, before he got injured, was on pace for a top-20 running back finish. So the spot's clearly valuable, but now it's like we got this debate of, like, do I go with Kanye Roberts, who is who um, had some great performances this year, multiple 100-yard games, uh, was the leading rusher for App State in five out of the last eight games? Or do I go with Anderson Castle, who all of a sudden got 20 carries in this bowl game? Did the staff switch things up? I'm going to go with the former. I'm I'm still riding with Kanye Roberts as my guy for App State next year. Again, I can't ignore what he did down the stretch. For App State here. Anderson Castle has been sprinkled in throughout the entire year. I think this might have been a bit of a hot hand situation. They threw him out there first, and he um took off early on. So they're like, hey, let's just keep riding with this right here. I'm gonna go with fake for Anderson Castle. I will absolutely be still taking my shots on Kanye Roberts. What about UK? Where do you kind of fall with this backfield?
1: I am I'm going fake here. I don't trust anybody in this backfield. Um, This is such a weird... This has been a great situation to have, right? Previous Mm -hmm. years, we've seen some really cool running backs for App State. uh, But they seemingly are more inconsistent in recent years. And Connie Roberts is very interesting. Their pass game has been really a lot... Maybe the best passing game they've had in the last five, six years. And how does that impact it? Um, so I'm going fake, you know, that bowl game was so sloppy and ugly. It was against a Mac team, you know, like I'm not going to take much, you know, what did it end 13 to nine? Like that game was just gross. I'm not taking anything away from that. Um, and so I'm going fake, uh, but I didn't have no idea, but I guess Nate Noel has more eligibility and he also transferred to Missouri Missouri mid mid. Recording of this, which is wait, super interesting. Wait, wait,
0: really? Noel's at Missouri?
1: That's the, you know, that's what just came out mid recording, mid oh, Sunday hell. evening. It, it, so that'll be a fun one to talk about this week. But yeah, no, I think this is fake. I, I'm not taking anything away from a Mac matchup in the re- pouring rain. Yeah. Um, this feels like maybe he's a bigger guy that takes advantage of a sloppy weather type game but no mm-hmm. I'm not worried too much about this one
0: no I think that's a really good point right there and again you, it, it, to me it's just going back to what happened during the season Roberts out carried Castle 123 carries to 53 I just don't see that big of a shift happening right there it's very clear they want Roberts to be the guy so I'm going to keep riding with that sorry Mr. Castle here all right Let's move on to our next guy here. Um, Actually, Kate, I want to ask you real quick, uh, slightly off topic, but you mentioned the passing game for App State. Another guy we could have talked about here was uh, Caden Robinson, who had a really good finish for App State and everything. Typically, we've seen kind of a receiver by committee from the Mountaineers, but it seemed like he was kind of putting it together down the stretch as like a clear number one guy. Is he somebody you're looking at next year? Uh, Not necessarily... The volume
1: is just not going to be there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I do think ultimately they want to try to run the football.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I liken him to like a, how I probably viewed like a, like a Javon Baker, Kobe Hudson like okay. last off season, which ended up being pretty profitable. You know, I took one or the other in pretty much the mid twenties, every draft last year. And it worked out well, you know, they all, they had a bunch of good games um, but it, he's not a guy that I would want to target anywhere near early now.
0: Okay. Again, I just thought I'd ask real quick. All right. From one historically great running back room to another, let's go talk about Jadarian Price and really just the Notre Dame backfield here, uh, with this one, because that's what we're really talking about more than anything. But Jadarian Price had himself a great game against Syracuse or not Syracuse. Was it here? Syrac- no, Oregon State. Um, I knew he was one of those orange teams. Uh, yeah. Great great game against Oregon, Oregon, Oregon State here. 13 carries, 106 yards. Touchdown, no receiving sets in this game. Would have finished with 16.6 fantasy points here. Audric Estime finishes a top 12 running back for College Fantasy this past year. So it just makes sense that we all start zeroing in on this running back room. See, is there somebody else who's going to step up and take that workload that Estime got last year? And the two that we're really looking at more than anything else is Jedarian, the aforementioned Jadarian Price and true freshman Jeremiah Love. Both of them got roughly equal carries in this bowl game. Love got 15, Price got 13, but Price was by far the more explosive player on the day. Just kind of an interesting situation to try to figure out because in this game, Price looked like the better running back. Throughout the season, they both relatively performed the same on terms of a down per down basis. It's not like one's way more explosive than the other. So, if you're going to say that Price is a more explosive running back just based on this one game, I would say you're wrong there. At least, again, he was a more the explosive guy on the day, but not for the whole season for sure. So, it's it's really trying to figure out like is one of these guys going to outperform the other, or is? And if, if if you think so, which one will you go with? Or do you think like me personally? I think that this is just going to end up being a two headed monster for Notre Dame next year. It's going to be neither one of them are going to get the volume that Estime got. Neither one of them are going to get the. Neither one of them are going to get those clear goal. Every time they're on the goal line, you're getting the ball kind of roll that Estime got this past year. So I'm not drafting either one of these guys nearly as high as um estimate was last year so i'm going to go with fake and then in addition to everything else they're bringing in mike denbrock from lsu who's an awesome offensive coordinator don't get me wrong but the last two years at lsu have been full committees and so i think he does the same thing here especially when you got price and love who are pretty equal in talent in my opinion so i'm going with fake k jadarian price or jeremiah love really Either one of those guys is a real deal, or are you gonna stay away from drafting these guys like Audrey Gestabe?
1: I'm staying away. Yeah, this is a fake for me. And part of it is like I feel like one of them could be like very valuable to an extent. Um, but we just don't know who it is. And you know, there's probably gonna be this hindsight moment where we're like, man, why didn't we draft Bryce? But like <clears throat> I think right now there's a lot of reason to avoid it uh there's just like you said with lsu offensive coordinator situation the fact that there's a couple guys back there that have looked at times very good and at times very average they're bringing in obviously riley leonard right and he's a runner yep he could easily vulture a ton of uh, touchdowns around the goal line right so you put all that together and that's you know it's hard to say where they all get drafted, but I think right off the bat I would assume I'm going to not have much of any Notre Dame running back
0: uh, room
1: going into 2024.
0: Yeah, and just going back to the Price versus Love deal here and everything, like I like Price as a running back. I've liked him since he was a freshman there at Notre Dame, even after he tore his ACL and everything. But again, he looked good in this game. About even carries with uh, Love, but. Love on the season out carried price seventy one to forty five. So if you're like thinking this bowl game is indicative that price is gonna be is gonna end up being the next dude for Notre Dame, I would definitely I would yeah again, I find it fake. I'm cautioning anybody who's wanting to raise price highly up their draft boards because of this game. So move our tokens back and discuss our final running back here, K. Let's go talk about Freddie Brock. The running back out of Georgia State, Georgia State, man, they got walloped. I mean, walloped with some of the guys that they'll be losing this year. Obviously, they're losing Darren Granger um, to eligibility, Marcus Carroll. After his insane year, he is now at Missouri now to apparently take on Nate Noel in that backfield. We'll see how that goes. And then Casey Adams, for some reason, decided to transfer out of there as well, even though he probably would have been the next guy up. Before the Panthers next year. So that leaves Freddie Brock, who had six carries on the season before this point, to get a massive workload in this game. 24 carries, 276 yards, and a touchdown in this game. Two receptions for 15 yards against Utah State. Just a monster, monster day. 36.1 fantasy points would have been his total here. Okay, what do you think, man? Freddie Brock. Is he the real deal for Georgia State next year? Is this a guy you're going to be drafted pretty highly for your fantasy leagues next year?
1: This one is maybe the toughest one for me of all of them. Like, I get it on both sides, right? Like, this has been a good backfield to have in years past. He looked incredible. You know, he came from Maine, I believe, and was pretty good at Maine, you know? So, it's not like he came out of complete nowhere. Like, so, but you know, like how good is this offense actually going to be? You know, mm-hmm. I lean, I'm going to say fake because I, you know, you could be a pretty good running back and a bad offense and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, Plus like what else do they do in the portal? You know, uh, uh, he looked good. That's the hard part. He looked really good. Right. Yeah. Like Ricky hunt good in terms of like out of nowhere, random, huge reform, just looked awesome. Um, But it, that's a hard one. Utah State's pretty awful too, right? So mm-hmm. Georgia State had a lot of things going. I'm going to say fake, but man, this is probably the toughest one of all the guys we'll talk about today.
0: I like him too much, man. I got to go real here. He, like you said, he looked really, really good in this game. He looked, it was a little slow to start out, but again, once that defense wore down, even just a little bit, Brock just absolutely took it off, took off again. You, you can see it in the stats over 10 yards per carry. He's just an absolute monster on the day. I think it's a good point bringing up his history with Maine. He's been in this role before. He played well at Maine in terms of the workload and everything. Obviously, again, huge competition difference there. But he showed that he could handle it, at least here. Uh, You talked about the transfer portal. They do bring in CJ Beasley from Coastal Carolina, who initially I was kind of excited about when they brought in because I was like, okay, he's a guy I could buy into. Uh, Because really the only other guy they have there is Freddie Brock. And well, lo and behold, Freddie Brock comes out and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is going to be the dude for Georgia State next year. I am obviously worried about them losing um, Darren Granger, but they bring in a pretty solid option to replace him, in my opinion, with Zach Gibson coming out of Georgia Tech. I got my eyes on him during Georgia Tech spring game two years ago. Again, is he a world beater? No, absolutely not. But at the same time, like I think he has the rushing ability to kind of replace Darren Granger. He might be even slightly better of a passer than Granger was at times. So him going down to the Sun Belt level is perfect, in my opinion. I was initially worried about this offense going into next year, but Georgia State seems to do a pretty good job of finding receivers kind of out of nowhere. They, they, like I said, they bring in Gibson to replace um, Granger. Brock seems to be a revelation. I think this offense will pick up pretty much right where it left off last year, and Brock probably won't get done what um Darren Granger did, or not darren Granger uh Marcus Carroll did, but even still, like if you take what Marcus Carroll did last year and he put up let me f- try to find it real quick. Marcus Carroll finished as the r b eleven so let's let's say that. Let's say that Brock is eighty percent of what Carroll was last year. You're still looking at a top thirty-five running back for college fantasy next year. So I'm still I'm gonna say real. I'm gonna be it'll be a guy that I'm drafting pretty heavily in my leagues. Anything you got to counter on that, Kay?
1: They have had some nice portal movements, right, with Gibson. Beasley is interesting because it he does compete. Beasley seems a little bit more like fun in theory than like actually fun. Um, but just not the well, same see, I, back he
0: was a couple of years ago.
1: No, you know, you wonder why that happened or what happened. Was it coaching movements? You know, you just you never know. He looked so promising. Um, but yeah, you know, it, I'll always root for Georgia State. You know, they're only like. 15 years old or something crazy like that which oh, yeah. is all insane to think about like how far they've come but we'll see this this one could bite us if we get it wrong that's for sure
0: hey we can go to the we can both go to the georgia state spring game next year and we can verify for ourselves boots on the ground everybody loves
1: boots on the ground
0: oh hey okay, man let's do it let's go let's let's uh, see if the tickets are on sale yet <laughs> all right excuse, <coughs> <coughs> excuse me Just- I don't know why that that, that got me. Anyway, um, wide receivers. We got to talk about some of these wide receivers. Enough running backs, enough quarterbacks. Let's go talk about some wide receivers. And we'll start with Koi Eakin, wide receiver out of Texas Tech here. Seven receptions, 106 yards, and a touchdown in the bowl game here. Okay. I feel like I am a sad, pathetic Boyfriend who just wants to get back with his ex over and over again every time I think about this Zach Kitley system for college fantasy. Because we've been chasing it the last two years. And what has that gotten us? It's gotten us Jaron Bradley, the wide receiver 121 in 2022. And this year, it got us Miles Price, the wide receiver 188 in college fantasy this past year. And those were the best receivers. That Zach Kittley's system put up last year. Is it time that we stop? Or is Eakin a guy that maybe we take a look at? Because, you know, again, he had a good performance here. Nine targets. Seven receptions. 106 yards. Touchdown. And then he had 10 targets the game before. Seven, five, eight, seven. Like a pretty good consistent number of targets throughout the second half of the season. And, and... That wide receiver room is completely cleared out. Loic Fougie, JJ Sparkman, Miles Price, Jaron Bradley, Nehemiah Martinez. They're all gone. This room's completely opened up. And so that does kind of offer a lot of opportunity for maybe a guy like Eakin, who got a lot of run down the stretch, to potentially separate from the rest of that room. But also, but also, (laughs) they're bringing in Josh Kelly. And Josh Kelly is coming from a very similar system with, Ben Arbuckle running it over there at Washington State probably told probably told Josh Kelly, like, hey, if you want to run in a similar system, go to Coach K over there at Texas Tech, and you'll basically be running the exact same thing. So I'm going to go fake here because I am jaded with this Zach Kitley system. I'm not going to be taking a ton of shots on it next year, and if I am going to be taking a shot on it, It'll be Josh Kelly, who I saw succeed in a similar system last year, and finishes a wide receiver at 33. As far as Eakin's gonna go, I'm gonna—he's gonna have to prove it to me early on next season if I'm gonna come around on him. I just can't really see it. What about UK?
1: You know, it's interesting because they seemingly loved him in fall camp, and then he got hurt. Mm -hmm. He comes back and like. He gets, for a young guy, I think he's what, a redshirt sophomore now, maybe, something like that. Like, he's fairly young with not really anything proven, and he's produced. I mean, they've given him snaps. All that being said, I I am also putting him as a fake. I don't know if I would say, give me Josh Kelly over him. Like, I think the staff really does like uh, Eakin, but I just don't know if you know, doesn't he play outside, he right? Does. Like, and that's not typically the best spot for Kitley in the offense. And you it's know, not you de- hey, it's not
0: a death sentence per se, because, like, like I said, Kelly played outside for Arbuckle last year. That worked out well for him. Um, God, what what was the name of the second wide receiver? Not Stearns. Um, Daywood Davis? No, not Daywood Davis. It was, oh my God, he went to Penn State afterwards. Oh my god! Uh, no, no, this is gonna dude, drive I, this is gonna drive me nuts. This is gonna drive me nuts. But, he, but the, the the other top wide receiver they had that year uh, played on the outside. What what is your name? Anyway, you keep talking, K. I'll look it up.
1: Yeah, you think about it.
0: Yeah, so I
1: think um, I'm not encouraged <laughs> by the quarterback play. I think the system's cool. I you know before all these random guys were kind of relevant for Texas Tech. Like you know you say, hey, all these guys are leaving, but like. They weren't really anybody before they played at Texas Tech. So, like, what's to say that other random guys pop up and are kind of, you know, in the world and relevant that mess with Eakin? You know, Josh Kelly ultimately is probably like the driving force behind the fake because, you know, Mm -hmm. that's a legitimate option. And I don't love the quarterback play that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I would say he's probably, I would say he's going to be the best receiver at Texas Tech. I just don't know if that's, I just don't necessarily think that's worth anything. Great. You know, as Nate and I would, you know, laugh about, you know, he's just pretty much the tallest midget at that point. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it is interesting because that is a great spot to be in. They showed a lot of confidence in him early. So maybe, but I'm going to say Fake.
0: Also, the name of the wide receiver I was trying to refer to is Mitchell Tinsley. finishes mm. a wide receiver 18 uh, that year while Stearns was number one. So again, there is a path if Kitley gets the system going for an outside wide receiver to be a top option for fantasy. I just don't think it's going to be this year. So I'm going to go fake. You're going fake. I'll put your token over mine. And let's move on to our second wide receiver here. Really our second and third because I smooshed these guys together because it's the same offense here. But Rashad Owens and Brennan Presley, Kay. When we were putting this show together. Uh I asked you to point out the players that you really wanted to talk about, and you highlighted a single player, and that was Brennan Presley. You kind of let me decide the rest and everything, but you were like, I we have to talk about Brennan Presley. So K get it off your chest, man. What do you what do you want to talk <laughs> well, about with Brennan Presley you, here, man?
1: You had done a good job of already highlighting guys, but yes, I think you know, coming in, I'm thinking like, man, like this is a position for him to be really, really good in 2024. I was I mean, he feels like he's been around forever, mm-hmm. uh, but he he is back. Uh, here we go. We're doing this one last ride and just complete target monster in the last half of the season. Plays a really so- like a slot role where, you know, easy catches, you know, you wonder how much of an upside he has. But man, if you tell me I need a guy to get 15 fantasy points, like a receiver, like it, it feels like he's pretty much a lock for it. I will probably have a ton of him. I don't know where he gets drafted, but I will probably have a ton of him. Uh, It's positive news that Alan Bowman is back. The negative would be Ali Gordon is also back. And maybe that takes away that upside that, I just previously mentioned he doesn't necessarily have Presley, but I'm not a, I'm not worried about like a Rashad Owens also being there or a random receiver that they have do well. like they had some different performances that were nice from random guys. It's hard to ignore the amount of usage he got in the second half of the season. so i I consider it very real, and i'm I'm very interested to see where he gets taken early on.
0: I think that both Presley and Owens are going to be very good options for CFF next year. Again, Presley was super clutch for me down the stretch, especially in the FSGA league that I won. Um, He was pivotal, pivotal for me in those games because of those were full point PPR leagues. And so he had 15 receptions, uh, the semifinals, nine receptions the week, the week after no touchdowns in either of those games. But like those provided just a massively safe floor for for me in all of those games. So that was absolutely incredible. And I think he's going to do the same thing next year. The problem with Presley is the fact that, again, he gets the short throws. Again, his average uh, yards per reception pretty much hovers right around 10 yards per reception every single game. Never really goes that much higher, never that much lower. And because of that, he doesn't get the long touchdowns. He's not the guy that they throw the slant to him and then he could take it 60 yards to the house. And you're sitting there thinking like, "Oh, well, they must throw to him a lot in the red zone." Well, no, it's they're not going to do that cuz they have Ollie Gordon. They can just ride for 10 yards and finish up there. So, I think Presley's still going to have that problem next year where again, he's going to he's going to finish with way less touchdowns than he probably deserves. And he's going to have a lot of recep he's, he's going to be the perfect PPR monster, is what I'm trying to say. I wouldn't take Presley in a standard league because you don't get any of the points from that consistency of volume. Owens is like the complete opposite of Presley here, man. Like, Owens is that deep threat. He's the outside wide receiver. That outside wide receiver has been great for us from Mike Gundy in the past. Think about guys like Tay Martin, Tylan Wallace, James w- Washington. Owens really kind of got it going towards the end of the season here. We saw it in the bowl game against Texas A&M where everything kind of really came together for him at the end here. 14 targets, 10 receptions, 164 yards, and two touchdowns there. If this offense becomes next year, it's Alan Bowman passing to or doing one of three things, handing the ball off to Ollie Gordon or passing it to Presley or Owens. This becomes the ultimate CFF system for us next year. And I think both of these guys will be absolutely fantastic. I'm going with real on both of these guys.
1: It's really interesting to look at like Presley's game log and his longest reception. Essentially, every single week is in the 20s. Like yeah. I don't know if that really means anything, but it it does go to show that his upside and his big playability is just not there, which is yeah. totally fine. I don't have an issue with it, but but uh, it is funny to look at it and uh, to see every single week it's in the 20s.
0: 20, 29, 20, 26, 21. It, it just keeps going. But you you sound a little skeptical of Owens earlier, K. Okay? Are you Are you like again to me, again, we we love systems. He's the outside wide receiver. He seems to be that consistent guy down the stretch for Oklahoma State. Again, a little bit more volatile than Presley because of the, you know, he gets the targets, but again, because they're deeper targets, they don't always connect nearly as well. Are you so? Are you skeptical of Owens going into next year? I
1: would put him. I would say he's a real threat for Oklahoma State. So I, I don't think you're burning a pick or anything by taking him, even in like that upper half, right, or whatever of the draft. I'm skeptical of like how good he can be if Presley's going to get 12 to 15 targets and Ali Gordon's going to score 20 times, mm-hmm. and you st- and like. The thing is right, Alan Bowman is still your quarterback, and I find that as a positive for Presley because that it's easy throws yep. and Alan Bowman needs easy throws um and so I think that benefit of Alan Bowman being back is great for Presley. It's not the best for Owens um they're just you need a little bit more skill and talent to throw passes to Owens compared to Presley. So no, I, I do that. think Owens will have a good year. I think he's a real threat. Like you're not going to get a zero out of drafting him. Um, But I'm, I'm definitely more skeptical on him than Presley by far.
0: All right. Yep. Completely fair enough. All right. Let's, we got two more wide receivers to get through here. So let's go ahead and move on to our second to last guy here in Jaden Higgins, the wide receiver out of Iowa state. Great performance against Memphis in the bowl game here. 13 targets, 9 catches, 214 yards and the touchdown would have been good for 31.9 fantasy points in half PPR formats. Hey, I'll throw it over to you first, man. What are your opinions on Higgins here? And really, I would just say that the Cyclones offense in general. Like how are you viewing these guys going into next year?
1: Um I I think the offense has a lot of appeal. You know, I think for years it's been Heavy RB1 usage that's valuable. Uh, 30 to 35% of targets thrown to the receiver one. And I don't see why we can't get that again. I, you know, Abu Sama feels cool. I worry that we take the snow game and blow it out of proportion where you want to ham against BYU. I'm willing to give that a. I think that is a, a more interesting debate than Jaden Higgins because to me, Jaden Higgins is like a no brainer. Like, this is real receiver one for them. Is going to go for 30 to 35% of targets. Rocco Beck, you know, as much as ever, I myself, 100% included thought, Oh shit, this, this offense could be gross with a guy at yeah. quarterback. That is, that seems like he's only a quarterback because everybody else is gone yep. or suspended for game. Exactly. One. And he turned out to be really pretty decent, you know, like all things considered, he was solid, like for college, like he's a solid college quarterback. And, you know, that lines up well with having a ton of usage on a receiver one, which the system loves anyway. So Higgins, super real to me, Abu-Sama real, but I do think we could look in like 9, 10, 11 months and be like, man, we were... We just loved one snow game and took it out of proportion because he didn't do anything in that bowl game.
0: Yeah, Asama is going to be a very interesting debate because like, I've been telling you, I've been, I've been looking at my RB rankings and he's gone literally up and down. Because, like, when I, I look at this game log and it's like he'll go from one game averaging less than a yard per carry to all of a sudden averaging like 10, 12 yards per carry. And then obviously there's a snow game on top of everything else. I'm just like, if you could have some level of consistency you're going to be absolutely fantastic for CFF, but I can't trust that yet. But anyway, back to the receivers, back to Higgins here. Um, so Higgins is a little bit interesting to me. I'm going to go with real uh, with you here, but I do think it is worth talking about like, how, what, what's the deal with him and Jalen Noel? Because like Noel was the guy that a lot of people were kind of in on. They've been looking at him for a couple of years. Once, once Xavier Hudson left, like maybe Noel would be that next guy up there. And he did beat out... Higgins in terms of number of targets and number of receptions this year. He had 91 targets. Higgins had only 80. He had 66 receptions. I believe Higgins only had like 53. So you're talking about the quote unquote wide receiver one this year. It was Noel. Here's my thing though. When I look at Noel, I think we've seen the ceiling of Noel. Again, he had 87 targets last year, 91 targets this year. I just don't really see him having that much bigger of a jump in his fourth year with the cyclones here versus this was only Higgins' first year with the cyclones he was a he was a transfer coming in um before I forget what school he went to it was an FCS school but he came came up to Iowa State he very he he's much more explosive than Noel he averages 18.5 yards per catch versus um Versus Noel averaged 12.4, and he was even less the years before that. So I think that Higgins, another year, another offseason with the Cyclones here. With Becht getting the clear number one QB role and everything, I think he'll be a massive weapon for the Cyclones next year. This will be a better offense than I think people give him credit for next year. So again, he's got 80, Higgins got 80 targets this year. In his second year fully entrenched in the system. Who's to say he can't get 100 targets next year? I, I fully, am, fully believe he can do that. And basically, if you get 100 targets in a year, you're absolutely a CFF option no matter what in my mind. So I'm absolutely leaning towards real here. Depending on where he goes in the draft, I'm probably going to have a ton of him next year. All right. Oops. Uh, gotta, there we go. All right. One last player to talk about here, Kay. And this one I think you'll like because we get to talk about your favorite dairy raid over here. Talk about Mr. Will Pauling, the wide receiver out of Wisconsin. This is a guy we kind of known about. Uh, because again, we theorized before the year, like, oh, we like Skylar Bell, we like Shimray DK, um, some of those guys over there, but Pauling's playing in that slot man that we really like for that Phil Longo offense. And as the year went on, he never really exploded, but Pauling looked really good in that slot until we got here in the bowl game. 10 targets, 8 catches, 143 yards, 2 touchdowns against LSU would have been good for 30.3 fantasy points in half PPR formats. So, okay, calling, real or fake?
1: I think this is real. I mean, we've seen Longo and what the offense has done for his role, which was essentially Josh Downs. Um it felt like they were trying to figure out what the heck they were doing with their receivers to start, mm-hmm. but then it clicked. And all of a sudden, like if you look at maybe like the last eight games for him, he had double digit targets and like seven of maybe seven of nine. And that's like exactly what I expect. You know, mm-hmm. you bring in Tyler Van Dyke, I believe, if I remember correctly, a quarterback. You know, he very much helped produce solid receivers at the beginning of the season for Miami. Um, it seemed like really pretty cut and dry for the top three guys. He really liked Restrepo, yep. like you know, Will Pauling is essentially Restrepo, if not better, you know. So I don't I I don't necessarily see a negative to Pauling, mm-hmm. and he certainly has shown enough of a usage and role that I don't see changing. So I am very much real on him. Um, I'm very curious to see where he gets picked in drafts because he will, you know, with that long go, you know, everybody loves systems. Nate will be pushing systems as we all should. And uh, he's a perfect fit for the system. So it'll be curious. I'm curious to see where he ends up being taken in these drafts.
0: Thinking about where some guys went last year, especially in a year where there again there's there's like six clear guys at the top in my opinion, and then there's a lot of question marks after that point, Pauling feels like a guy that's gonna rise up to the third or fourth round. Like that I I don't know if that scares UK and everything, but like I feel like that's a perfectly fair range to take him considering how many question marks there is at the position next year.
1: I mean, top five rounds doesn't feel crazy right off the top of the head, right? Yeah. We, we're not deep into rankings and looking at who's back and situations because everything is so fluid right now. But yeah, like, for sure. if you said top five rounds, I'd be like, yeah, OK, that makes that makes pretty good sense. Like, I, yeah, I don't think, think you're, you're a crazy like, person for it.
0: Because like Squirrel White, that was like a third, fourth round pick last year. Like it, it, this feels like very much in a similar way where like we saw some potential And we're liking what we see. We're hoping for a big next step this upcoming year. Hopefully, he ends up better than Squirrel White did this year. But again, when I when I think about Will Pauling, I I just see a easy top fifteen wide receiver for next year. Again, you he finished as a wide receiver one hundred this year, which obviously isn't great. But part of that was just he couldn't find the end zone. He had four touchdowns in the regular season, despite the number of targets that he was getting. Which I feel like that's going to level out next year. And then the other part of it is if you take his performance after the bye week, and again, those bye weeks can be very important sometimes because that's when you know you start to see some changes uh, with personnel getting shifted around. They realize what's not working early in the season, so they shift to something different later in the season. After that bye week, if you take his performance and the bowl game, those nine games after the bye week, and extrapolate it to 12 games, you're already looking at a top 30 wide receiver just on his performances this year. And then, if you just take his target numbers, you got 96 targets post bye week, including the bowl game. Like Once again, if you extrapolate that to 12 games, that's 128 targets over 12 games. That would have been the fourth highest number of targets a receiver got in the regular season this past year. So to me, if you're like me and you just love target monsters, you love guys that get that volume, Pauling is an absolute no-brainer. I'm full-on real with this one. Again, do I expect eight 143 and two touchdowns every single week? No, because he's not going to face LSU's defense every single week. But at the same time, like, I feel very, very solid about him taking a very big step next year as the number one guy. Any last thoughts there, Kay? Any any other players that you're kind of thinking about as like, you know, you just want to throw out there, get my thoughts or just kind of give your thoughts on it real quick or...
1: No, I think you. I think you hit on all of them. I. I think in the coming months we'll have some really interesting conversations because this portal has just created some craziness and a bunch of guys going to the same spot. You know, yeah. like it'll be it'll be fun to continue the conversation of like real fake, but just in kind of different ways.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Again, there's there's plenty of other guys we could have talked about here today as well. Again, like. Uh, Corey Rucker had a really big game for Arkansas state. Like, is he back? Is it, is that legit for next year? Uh, Jamal Pritchett. Is that the next great South Alabama wide receiver? We talked about Gio Lopez. Do those two help each other out right there. That could be really fun. Um, Phil Moffat at Clemson without Will Shipley. What's going on over there? Um, Nico Yamalieva and Dylan Sampson next year. Obviously those two, I think are going to spark quite a bit of debate this off season. Again, Tons of fun. Lots of things to still figure out. Like Kay said, the portal still got to settle down here. The next two weeks, we'll be breaking down a ton of those transfers, talking about who are the most impactful guys, who lost the most stock. We will figure all of that stuff out. But, like I said, Kay... Really appreciate you having on, coming on here, man. I know you are super busy right now enjoying your time with the Lions and the Wolverines. You're having a great time, and you came on here to discuss all these guys with me, so I can't thank you enough, man. Uh, what's going on with BTR? What's going on with, uh, obviously, DFS is done for a while now, but any other fun stuff that you'll be working on? No, just
1: burning a red shirt, just having fun with that, and uh, this is the this is like our fun time. This is a, yeah. what we enjoy talking about. It's stuff like this, right? You know, I always enjoy coming on. Appreciate you having me, and this, but this is like the stuff that I enjoy the most is like the skeptical, the the you know the crazy situations. Do I like you know? Do I agree with like? Is this going to be a, a a breakout versus not type of thing? Um so it's always fun to hear other people's opinions on some of these players that we saw pop off uh in games that we were very intently watching so uh enjoy being on it and uh yeah red shirt. essentially every week we're we're doing something right now and but yeah just having a good time with the offseason. season
0: yeah you and k or you and k you and cats are absolutely rocking it over there I'm looking forward to having you guys join us for the um uh, way too early CFF draft that'll be coming out here at the end of the month so for all of you guys listening out there make sure you check that out here at the end of January we got an all-star lineup for that this year you guys are going to absolutely love it once again uh, again just a quick reminder again of those two announcements earlier make sure you check out Defending the Natty that'll be on the podcast feed here on January 17th uh, again, me and Nate will be discussing a ton of Dynasty stuff there, so check that out. And then again, go check out those t-shirts over at Uh Help out Chasing the Natty directly with those. So until then, Kay, appreciate you, sir. Appreciate all of you guys listening out there. Happy 2024. Really glad we're back in the swing of things, and we can get back to, like we said, this is kind of the most fun time of the year. Start speculating. Until then, y'all keep having fun. Enjoy the Natty, and I'll see you guys next time. Hope you guys have a wonderful and blessed week. See y'all.